Shut up and sit down. The current state of politics is unsustainable uh, politically, economically. You know, you still have distrust there. We all come from very different places. Man, we don't want the government to do a damn thing. We deserve better. People have to have the information in front of them. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. There you go. Like, just promote people who are doing something. Volunteer to work with people who you like. and just Take an issue that's important to you and do something. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. This conversation gives me a little more hope for the future. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. Every other episode of Fight Club is sponsored by Blood of Tyrants Wine. If you want to enjoy a nice night in while also sipping the blood of your enemies and taking down the tyrannical state, go on to bloodoftyrants.wine, order about a dozen bottles because you're going to need it for the holidays, and use promo code F4L and you'll get $5 off your first order. Help promote the show and the network, and uh, I will love you significantly more going forward. Um, but without further ado, we have some awesome, awesome guests for you guys tonight. So I'll bring them all up one by one. Let's see if we can make this work. First and foremost, not foremost, just first, uh, we have The Cop, host of Biblical Anarchy and a host of other shows that I will have him pitch at the end. Uh, the one, the only, Jacob Daniel Winograd back on the show. Jacob, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back on. And uh, thank you for uh, touting my, you know, number one claim to fame, which is that I collect podcasts like Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I, every time I see you, it's just it's just one more. It's it, it just you, you got it. I'm like Ash. You know, what, what, I don't watch Pokemon anymore. I guess something recently happened with Ash and he's no longer the the, the full like, the main character of that show anymore. But it's like uh but that that's gonna be me, you know what I mean? Like I gotta go out on top. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on every podcast and have like fifty of them myself and then I can retire. There you go. That's the that's the ultimate goal. Uh next up, uh one of the most interesting people I had the pleasure of meeting this year. Uh one of the creators of So Far Sounds, co founder of Liberty Live, Mrs. Joanna Jorgens. Welcome to the show. 
And last but not least, you might recognize her from the clip in the intro or the hundreds of speeches she's given at Liberty events around the country. She's working on streamlining psilocybin production with advanced micrology, and she is your trip sister, Avins O'Brien. Guys, I'm super excited for this show. I've been talking to a bunch of my friends about it because, like, I'm just excited to get a whole bunch of advice as a, I want to say newlywed, but it's been over six months now, and I don't know how you're, long you're you still can a call newlywed. yourself. Okay, yeah, you're you're a baby. You're it adorable. Feels a lot shorter <laughs> than six months, but we're we've passed that point, and I'm like, wow, we're we're really chugging along here. Uh, okay. <laughs> not long. <laughs> uh, we'll actually get into that. That's the first question I wanted to ask, just to kind of set a basis for everyone's answers going forward. Um, how long have you been in your current relationship? What is your relationship status? And how did you guys meet, get together? Like, you know, short version. Um, Jacob, you want to start off? Sure. Uh, so I married my high school sweetheart. I met her my junior year of high school, and we started dating during my senior year. And so I, I don't know anything about adult dating. Um, when when I, you know, grow, growing up watching my friends go through that, and then when people complain about it to me and stuff, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what's so difficult for you guys. No, but I I got extremely lucky. Um, I was an idiot in high school. I'm still an idiot, but I was more of an idiot in high school. And I managed to meet an amazing woman who took pity upon me and uh, put up with me being incredibly stupid and took the time for me to get my act together. And uh, yeah, we've been together for, oh boy, we got together in 2010. Yeah, 2010. So it's been 12 years. Yeah, we so we've been together for 12 years. We've been married for eight years. So that's that's kind of the background there. Well, I guess I'm the the old old fogey of this whole thing. I've been married 17 years, and I think actually, yeah, I think we were together three years before that. So it's right around 20 years. And uh, firstborn was a honeymoon baby, so it's always easy to remember exactly how long we've been married. Like, okay, how old's the boy? Same. That's how I. <laughs> That is that is exactly what I do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. You, you never get to never forget that way. It makes it so easy. Yeah. Um, David and I were actually my my husband's name is David too. We met on Match.com, and we were, from what I believe, one of the first um, couples that actually got married. From well, I always say Match.com, and let's just match now. But back then, it was Match.com. We're one of the first couples that that met through there. To before it was cool, when everyone just thought we were weirdos for meeting online. <laughs> Um, sorry, my internet just did a thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Okay, good. Um, of 2012, um, we, um, we met on Facebook actually through mutual friends. Uh, we met in person a month later. We had our first date a month after that. And then, um, we have been together for 10 years now. We aren't legally married, but I think we've kind of reached that, like, this this point of like we're doing this intentionally together for you know presumably like the rest of our lives or as long as it makes 
sense to us. And we have certain philosophies about that. But um, we, uh, that I would say that that's been about four or five years now. So that would be kind of the contextual timing for me. Can you guys hear David? I can't hear David. I can't hear David. Wow. Wow. That was great. I, I muted myself on the microphone, so I couldn't see. I was searching through all the settings on the computer, but I clicked it here. Uh, so we're, you guys didn't hear me like, like David. joint like seven times in a row. Uh, like, no. I'm already, you know. That explains why you didn't hear me with. hear me say, "Hey, hey, Ovens, what about you?" Um, <laughs> I didn't. That, yeah, I didn't yeah, hear it all. I yeah, was that, like, no, I was no, like, none oh, of us I heard you, see. but yeah. <laughs> all right. What I was gonna say, or what I actually said, but no one heard me. Uh, libertarians often get branded as you know, kind of outcasts, and therefore very cynical and emotionally closed off, and very socially kind of awkward. I know that's a trope that we all kind of have heard. Uh, but I definitely have experienced a lot of the opposite, given a lot of the libertarians that I've met. And I was talking to one of my good friends about this episode and, you know, how excited I was. And she was telling me that learning about liberty and the philosophy of it over the last couple of years has positively affected how she sees relationships and how she treats people. And so I'm wondering, from your guys' experience, are you, uh, have you had similar experience to my friend or has the delve into uh, politics and the red and black pills kind of overdosed you and made you a little bit more closed off? I think in general, liberty people, libertarians are less judgmental of other people, right? So even something that we may disagree with our spouse or significant other on, it's less of a big deal than to somebody I talked to somebody like David's a Republican and he's you know he's still on the liberty side of things but there's definitely some things that we disagree on and I think as a libertarian I'm used to being disagreed with a lot so it, it kind of makes it easier that like okay yeah we disagree on that so what move on mm -hmm. that's a good point uh I I find my my wife is very like apolitical and so the only contention that we usually have is like, uh, how do you not care about this? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just don't. Uh, but there, she doesn't have any like strongly held beliefs that we disagree on. She only has like three or four and they're like abortion rights, gun rights, and you know, a handful of other things that I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good there. <laughs> just the most difficult ones to deal with a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> right um so i want to go through kind of like uh, a few different key philosophies and uh kind of talk about how they can overlap with you know healthy relationship ethics and just behaviors uh starting with the non-aggression principle because i feel like that's like the easiest uh one to talk about is you know having that within a relationship what do you guys think? So, start with go ahead, Jacob. The, the, the question is the the overlap between the non-aggression principle and how we 
you know, how, how we can see that in our relationships. Do, yeah. Did I got the question right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, hopefully anyone in a relationship isn't like committing aggression against one another, but it, this, you can go a little bit deeper than that because, you know, I, I think the not aggression principle is should be seen as more than just a, you know, how, how would I phrase this? You should seek to be more than just the least shitty person possible, right? Like, you should try to be, if anything, like, you know, beyond just doing the bare minimum of not aggressing against people, you should try to look at the underlying uh, philosophy and sort of, like, spirit behind the non-aggression principle and let that apply in your life. So, you know, in my relationship, for example, I guess this is where I'm going to take it, I do my very best to not initiate conflict with my wife unless it's like absolutely necessary like there is actually a problem and we need to solve it but there's a lot of things that i you kind of learn the longer you're in a relationship you're like you know what my this thing my wife is doing she's not doing it to hurt me she's not doing it to upset me um i'm just annoyed by it or i'm just Mm. being sensitive to it and picking a fight here is actually me sort of being the quote-unquote aggressor in this situation, and I just need to either A, let it go, or B, if I can't let it go, I need to cool off and just talk to her about my feelings rather than pick a fight. Um, and it, it it's sort of like, there's that, what is that weird saying? Like your, your, your relationship, um, people sometimes say you're in a good relationship if you're fighting all the time. And I, I kind of used to sort of, believe that but my wife has kind of corrected me and saying like we're no we're not fighting we're just talking like why does everyone why do people have to frame just having conversation and working out issues as a fight like it's not really a a fight it's just like people doing like relationships healthy disagreements right exactly so you you learn to um uh i'm thinking of a uh uh, a Gilmore Girls reference. My wife loves Gilmore Girls, and there's this episode where uh, uh, Roy's grandmother is telling her to leave your fight face at home, and that's that's what we tell my wife and I tell each other. We're like, "Hey, leave your fight face at home, okay? I mean, we're, we're all at home, but it's like just that's <laughs> racist into a against my like, people." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David has to walk around in a paper bag of shame. <laughs> right. He can't show his fight face. That's probably for the best at most public gatherings. Uh, I find my like really shitty toxic workaround for uh, like not being the aggressor is that like if I'm mad about something, I'll just wait until she starts a fight and then and then I'll just like add on. Ah uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I've been there. No, that's easy to do because you. I used to do that. I'd be mad about something, and then you forget about it until she does something. Then she gets mad at you for something that you did, and you go, "Oh, you're gonna be mad at me about this? What about what you did?" And yeah, mm-hmm. that <laughs> that always like, works out well, doesn't it? If I let it go, you should have let it go. And so, if you're not gonna let it go, I'm not gonna let it go. Oh yeah, no. So this is <laughs> one of the things I've struggled with. And my wife used to say this to me all the time and still does. It's like, Jacob, we're different people. It's like, just because something doesn't bother you doesn't mean it doesn't bother me. And that is something that, you know, I, it kind of 
that is something I think that is a little bit harder for maybe libertarians to understand, or at least it's harder to connect to libertarian philosophy because in libertarian philosophy, we think like it's all about reciprocity. It's all about equality of rights, right? Mm -hmm. So you, when you get into a marriage, you're like, okay, well, we have to just treat each other equally. And it's like, well, I mean, you should be equal in your, I don't know, like status in, in terms of like respecting each other and having an equal say, but you're not the same, you're not the same people. And you're going to have different triggers, different likes and dislikes and different, uh, different love languages, different communication styles. And so like, you have to actually do work to sort of understand your partner and how they're different than you. And I think the most important one there is in how you're raising your, your family and your kids. I think that's mm. really the only times David and I'll have disagreement that really kind of gets me is when we have a disagreement on something to do with the kids because then it's it's bringing someone else in yeah it's also the one that gets heated the most or the like the yeah. fastest because it matters experience. the most yeah to, to both people mm -hmm. yeah i think one of the big things for jed and i was um realizing that we kind of agreed with each other about like how we wanted to raise kids and like and and what the non-aggression principle kind of meant to us in this con in that context but also in like argument context is funny as, as Jake was talking about it I um Judd and I thankfully we have very similar views about things like um like we always we we, we both believe in de-escalation both of us have no tolerance for yelling so like we will never raise our voices but we like will have you know dis discussions and, and arguments that aren't you know they're not fights and I like we we're big on like this isn't a fight this is just like us hashing things out and we will really hash things out we are not afraid to do so but um, but it's funny because he and I have kind of different, like when something happens that like, oh, we should talk about this thing. I'm the person that's like, okay, I need like a, I just want a few minutes to like cool off, maybe like, you know, like get out of the headspace that I'm in while I'm upset about this thing and then come back to it after I've kind of decided whether or not it's worth being upset about. And Judd is like, something's bothering you, something's bothering you, let's talk about it right now. Let's talk about it right now. What do, you, what do you want to talk about? Come on. Like, you, I, I don't want you to be like, you know, holding this in. Come on, tell me what's going on. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. And I'm like, fuck. So that took some adjustment because like, I, I would have to be like, hey, I'd like 20 minutes to just like, let this de-escalate inside me so I'm not defensive or you're not defensive. Like, I'd like us mm -hmm. to, to, to like, us to be a little bit removed from like the emotional concern in this moment. And, um, and he's like, Oh, just, you know, you can just unplug the emotion from it. I'm like, yeah, no, that is one thing that I think is, was, was something that took some time to get used to. Cause like, you know, like something had happened at an event and then we'd be driving home and I would be like, I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. And he's like, Oh, you're being quiet. You're being quiet. Something's wrong. What's going on? Mm. What's going on? Tell me about it. And, I wonder uh, Go ahead. You can. Well, because I wonder if he is bringing similar baggage that I brought because I used to be the same way, and it was because I was in relationships um, with people who, like, when they would be mad at you, they wouldn't tell you, and then they would never tell you, and right. so that it's kind of like um, learning to, like, you know, it's okay to give someone a little bit of space. Now, like, if you never, ever, ever talked about your problems, that would be a problem. Right. But you have to kind of learn to trust your partner to be like, you know what? Like they will come and talk to me if it's a big deal, you know, and, and once you kind of practice that a few times, it, it, it got easier for me. Um, although then I went, you know, the problem is it's like, uh, I don't know if this is a libertarian thing or not, but I just, I, I tend to do 
I tend to go really hard in one direction or the other. And it's like, I went from, we need to talk about this now to like, oh, my wife needs space. My wife needs space. And she's like, well, hold on. You can't just like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's the Goldilocks problem, right? It's like too hot, too cold, just right. And and that's a lot of, it's like trying to, I mean, a lot of it is like, it. there is no rule book. And like, there's, there's just yeah. kind of like a general, it's, it's just like understanding that like your partner is, like every as complex as we view ourselves our partner is also like that and so like they're not you know surprise they're not robots they're not going to be necessarily the same day to day month to month year to year like some things are the same but some things change and some things are inconsistent and yeah i learned to roll with the punches a little bit yeah yeah i uh i definitely uh... have that same struggle with my wife uh because she's I'll, I'm, I, one of my biggest flaws is like, uh, I'm very passive aggressive, but it's kind of like, uh, it's like weaning myself off sometimes, uh, of actually being aggressive. Like if I'm in a really bad mood, I can just kind of like dial it back to passive aggressive and then dial it back a little bit more to like less like, and then, and then into just like actually having a good day. Uh, but she'll, she's like really, uh, empathetic and intuitive and so she will pick up on any like even i will just breathe wrong and she'll be like what's wrong you, br- you breathe wrong and <laughs> and the the worst part is 90 percent of the time she's right and i have to just oh, like yeah. lie to her face just to be like nothing <laughs> nothing it's fine she just won't well, let me not be aggressive <laughs> so my wife and i had this discussion a lot because she my wife's the same way she's incredibly like empathetic and uh intuitive and so she'll know when i'm upset what she, what i have been telling her lately is like listen a lot of times i get upset for just like stupid shit and i know it's like i'm angry but i know in the back of my head it's like this is stupid shit mm-hmm. let it go but then in the moment my wife's like why are you upset what's wrong it's like and so it's like it's kind of full circle i used to be that way with her and now she can be that way with me where it's just like listen i i'm just i'm annoyed i'm angry i know it's stupid give me like five minutes to just like let that pass and then i can yes. talk about it and mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's it, yeah like a five minute roll is a really good role like any you know and having kind of like there's one of my favorite sayings is that prevention is better than cure. Like having conversation, one of the best things that happened, and I learned to do this after I went through um, some counseling for myself. And then my counselor helped me with kind of like learning how to communicate better in my relationship. And one of the things that I learned to do was like, don't wait for the blowups to happen. Like Mm. have a conversation with, with your partner and be like, Hey, we have been in this pattern of, getting into these arguments and fights and we don't communicate well, you know, let me explain to you what's going on in my head when we're having these things happen. You explain to me what's going on. Let's find a way to when we start kind of like converging on those kind of things happening to like, we can communicate with each other and be like, Hey, I'm having, this is what's going on with me. This is what's going on with you. And from a place of knowing what's going on in each other's heads, we can communicate better. It's, it's funny because I know that part of Judd's poke, like, you know, I, I need to know what's wrong right now, has slightly to do with, like, like we work together and um, and we're, like, we're entrepreneurs and we have business partners who will sometimes, you know, not necessarily, like, come forth with what's bothering them. And then, it you know, like, it, like he's used to this in, like, lots of other contexts, not just relationships, but, like, 
you know, just like, oh, oh, you know, is there somebody I'm working with or is there somebody who's a, a client that has a problem and is not like, is, is not, you know, it was like waiting for things to build up. And so like, he's always like, wait, no build up, no build up. Like, let's just deal with the problem right away. And it's funny because like we're, we, and because we work together, we live, you know, we work together, we live together, we like run a company together. We, you know, we're in a relationship together. Uh, we also kind of like, and, and, you know, and we also try to like enjoy each other's company the rest of the time, but we also have like no, right now our work-life balance is so messed up because we have two companies we're working for. So what ends up happening is like, he'll, he'll come to ask me a work question and then I'll like, you know, bring up something. I'll be like, oh, by the way, like this thing, you know, do you want to go to this party tonight? Someone invited us to, or like, I'll ask a social question and he'll be like, I really only have the headspace for work. And so, so he and I had to start like uh, articulating that like, um, that we have different times for different channels. And so we will be like, hey, work channel right now. Let's talk like love channel later. Let's talk, you know, let's talk like plans channel later. And it's so, it's so tricky because we're so enmeshed. And, uh, and so for us, like, there's a, a lot of that, like, hey, um, you know, tonight, can we actually spend some time just like chilling out and not worrying about work or like, or anything that's like too serious and just like, just enjoy each other? Yes, let's do that. And we've gotten very good at like articulating that very explicitly because, because of the fact that like, we have so much work life meshed in, in such a way that's like, that could be detrimental. And we had to learn like coping mechanisms for that. But the other thing for us is that like, not only do we, um, like we try not to let things, um, you know, build up. So if there's like a problem, you know, it could, it could be that like this one goes away after we've like, you know, worried about it a little bit, but didn't talk about it. And then like something comes up again and like, oh, this is the second time I've been upset about this. Let's, let's, let's hit it right now. Um, but it's funny because Judd and I also, uh, I blogged about this. I think David just read that is that I, I credit the use of psychedelics for Judd and I like Ooh. deeply, like we, we get to this point, like once we, once a month we take psychedelics and like, sometimes we'll be like, we're going to have a fun time together. And they'll be like, okay, we need to talk about some stuff. And the cool thing about psychedelics is they make you not defensive. So like both of us can just kind of be like, here's some things that are bothering me. And like, and we just get it out. And then we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that that was bothering you. And then, and, and we're like not defensive. We just intake all of the like signals of like, oh shit, like, I'm so sorry. I have not been thoughtful of you and you have not been thoughtful of me, whatever. And then like, we come out of, like, then, then we get to have fun in our trip. And then, and then on the other side, we're like, oh, thank goodness that like, that thing was stewing like three weeks and it is no longer stewing because we just we just had it out in a very loving vulnerable sweet way instead of a instead of a an angry way so mm. that's that's i honestly drugs are just how we cope <laughs> there we go uh, it works <laughs> i used to like in in some of my past relationships i was a lot like uh you know we're talking about with the like you know have to get it out now and part of that honestly came from jacob you'll, you'll appreciate this one um uh from the like the bible verse never let the sun go down on your anger and so you know especially if it was towards the end of the day and my girlfriend wanted to just you know address it tomorrow I'm like, but no, the Bible says don't do that. <laughs> uh, but but, but it, really, it just means, yeah, but but even it doesn't mean you have to talk about it then. It just means, like, try your best not to go to bed angry. It doesn't mean that everything's resolved because mm -hmm. it's like it, sometimes 
sometimes you can't solve something. And that's something my wife and I have learned to do a better job at is like, and this is especially on me is that I would be upset when she would come to me with a problem that I couldn't solve. And I would take that personally. And cause I, I'd be like, cause I, I had this false expectation or interpretation of what she was doing. I thought that my wife would come to me with an issue and that it was like, okay, and I have to fix this. But 90% of the things you're coming to me with, I can't fix because they're just like, we're in a tough situation in life right now, or the circumstances just aren't aligning for me to be able to do anything about it. And then I eventually came to realize through her, you know, she had to tell me probably three or four times for her to get through my head <laughs> was that, no, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to be like, if it's your fault, just apologize for it. And if it's not your fault, just be like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. And just like, let's just, can you just like, let me vent and let me talk about things that I'm upset about. And whether it's your fault or not is like, it's kind of secondary. I mean, if it is your fault, like take ownership of it, even if it's something you can't immediately fix, take ownership of it. But either way, it's like, you know, that's it, kind of part of, uh, you know, talk about the Bible, you know, we're called to bear each other's burdens. And that's something that a married couple is supposed to, you know, do is just like, sometimes you can't solve a particular problem. You just have to be there for each other. David's really good at doing that. Just when something's going on, he'll just kind of, I'm usually like, I sleep myself, go sit down somewhere. I'm angry. And he's like, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to leave you alone? Do you want to just let it out? And he's, he's really good at that. It's that classic solution. Do you want solutions or do you want, do you want sympathy? Like, yeah. like I've, I've had moments where like, I've been complaining about something, nothing to do with Jed whatsoever, but I'll be like, oh man, like my car insurance company's going to shit out of me. And he'll be like, and I'll be venting and he'll be like, well, this is how you solve that problem. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've already done. No, 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 no. Shut up. Stop. I'm just venting. Tell me that like, oh, I understand how frustrating that is for you. And then yeah. I'll deal with it. Like, I'm just here to, I'm just venting about something that's bothering me. I do not need you to solve my problem, especially because you're going to tell me to do something I already did. Um, that's <laughs> the like, worst. Like, oh, just, well, and, and, like, oh, no, just tell your insurance company this. Like, that didn't work. Like, I did that. I'm already, I'm on top of this shit. If you suggest which, something which, I haven't which, tried and that's actually a brilliant idea and actually solves my problem, even if I was looking for sympathy, <laughs> I'll usually take the solution if right. it's a legit solution. If you suggest the first thing I tried two days ago, yeah. oh, it, it'll make me mad. And I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because actually this has happened before where I've like specifically been like, here's this thing that's pissing me off. It's just really tough. I'm going to get through it. And Judd will be like, have you done this? I'm like, fucking yes, obviously I did that. And I had to, I had to like, really like i had to be like uh and not respond with like fuck you of course i did that what i actually learned to say and this was actually this was a moment of like vulnerability for both of us is i was like i was like honey thank you for like i know you're trying to solve this problem i have tried that and i'd like for a moment when you try to solve my problem for me with obvious solutions that i clearly tried it makes me feel like you're assuming my incompetence at solving this problem myself and I actually, I had to, I had to articulate that. I was like, I was like, you just, when you, when you jump right in with like easy solutions that I've probably already tried, I start to feel like you're questioning my competence and I want to feel like you trust my competence. And so first I want you to sympathize. And then secondly, you, you can say like, 
do you want some ideas? And like, then we can go through it. But, but it was interesting. Cause like, we'll have moments where we've each given each other advice. And then the other one is like, excuse me, of course. And it was real. like, I was like, you know what, the reason we get defensive and the reason that we, we struggle is because we feel like we're questioning each other's competence to have figured that out already. And once we like recognize, like, let me have the utmost faith in your competence to have done this correctly. Like we don't get all like preachy with the solutions and we don't get all defensive with the asks, like, with, the, with the response. So it was like one of those little things that articulating what we, what we felt we were actually triggering in there was important. Yeah. We sometimes find ourselves arguing even though we're saying the same thing. So for example, I'll, there'll be a conference coming up. And so I take, I think y'all know, I take my daughter to a lot of conferences. We go out of town a lot, but something might be coming up and I'll say to him, I don't, I'm not going to take her this to this particular one. I, I think it's just too expensive or there's no good flights or anything. And then he'll be like, yeah, but you can't take her because she'd be missing school. I'm like, well, yeah, but I think she'll learn more at the conference than she would at school. And so we start arguing, even though the answer is I'm not going to take her, but we will argue over why I'm not going to take her. And then finally, after we like get at each other for a little bit, we're like, we're saying the same damn thing. We yeah. find ourselves, that's a very common situation with us to yeah. argue over the same output. Well, and, and that's my, so my, probably 20 or 30% of the arguments I get into with my wife are that we have completely different and drag it out over like 30 self, we gotta be self-aware. That's what we do. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I'm used to, I mean, I've been in, I was in speech and debate from the time I was in like eighth grade. And then I went into politics, you know, first as a Democrat, now as a libertarian and now as a podcaster. And so it's like, I'm just always used to like giving these long explanations. And my wife is just like, you know, give me like the two sentence summary and like, you know, don't, don't, don't be like preachy at me or don't be like, she gets so annoyed when I feel the need to like preface something. So like, I don't want her to like misinterpret what I'm saying, or I have, to, I feel the need to like do some special like end around way to get to the conclusion. And so that's, that's what causes a lot of our fights. And, and that's one of those things that's like, you have to just learn to, because it's like, I can't necessarily change my communication style because like, that's how it's what makes sense to me. Like in my head, it's like, I feel like I'm being perfectly clear. And then when my wife explains something to me, I'll misunderstand her because I'm overthinking it and overcomplicating it. And, you know, some of it is like just learning. I think a, a lot of problems come from trying to figure out a, a way to be a couple, but like um, maintain a, a sense of autonomy within the relationship and like individuality. And that's tough. Like when you're with the same person every day, all the time, doing the same things all the time. It's like trying to find a way to be a couple, but yet two separate individuals is a lot harder than it sounds um, because there's, and I think some of this can be blamed a little bit on, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of like some Christian impact on culture, because I think some people take the whole, like two will become one theme from, from the Bible and like, misapply it or like over apply it and just kind of like you know you and your spouse have to become the same person no no don't get me wrong my wife and i are very much attuned like we can like immediately know what the other one's going to say or like we'll say the same thing at the same time but even though like we're in tune with each other because we know each other very well we are 
we're different. We're complementary, I think, but we're different. And we have to learn to like, it, 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 you know, focusing on those differences and how, you know, that's what attracted you to the person in the first place. But it's like you get to a point in a relationship where I think like you just expect for some reason that um, you'll be able to coast. And it's like there is no cruise, uh, th there is no cruise control setting in a relationship. Like you, you have to be hands on and using your turn signals and watching your lane and and you know uh, being proactive. Yeah, I just want to point out before I get to my next question that you just identified politically as a podcaster. You're like first as a Democrat, then as a Libertarian, now as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between a libertarian and a podcaster? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so this is something uh, Jacob already kind of mentioned, uh, but to the opposite degree. Uh, something that libertarians have a lot of experience with is like kind of breaking uh, binaries and that kind of like too much, too little kind of Goldilocks conundrums. Uh, so I'm wondering, have you guys had any success in your relationships that you can kind of identify to your experience? Uh, your experience kind of breaking those binaries and thinking outside of the box. I guess I could jump in on <laughs> David, I feel like you're looking at me. <laughs> you just, you just asked that. <laughs> cause you, you did just read a blog about my relationship. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, cause Judd and I really went a very like non-traditional route of our relationship. I mean, like not the meeting on Facebook, but like Judd and I just took a very different route. Like I occasionally go on like podcasts or I'll, I'll listen to, podcast of like female friends of mine and they'll be like giving advice about like you know like best ways to do relationships i'm like we did all of those things differently like we like we when we got into our relationship like we opted you know we were in an open relationship when we first started dating um we uh we were kind of both like obsessively independent to the point where it was like for us it was we loved each other and we wanted to make it work but we were like oh god but then i have to oh i'm part of a unit like that like this is it was really tough for us and there, there was like a lot of growing pains as we kind of developed our our finding our 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 thing and then you know we we've ended up in a functionally monogamous relationship now like but it's been like five years but like but you know we had this 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 period of of non-monogamy we had um very different kind of ways of kind of like the way that people would kind of identify their relationships and we were just like no we're we're, we're gonna do this differently and then you know we've moved in together and we uh people think this is very weird but we have separate bedrooms because we are just like so like we need our space we and we were also we work together and live together like we it's like good for us to have a completely like separate like space um and uh i mean we even like we took a break halfway like not halfway through our relationship two years into our relationship we took a break for a year and all of these things like people are like oh that's how that's gonna mark the end of a relationship it's like no that just made us stronger honestly that just made like made us like better at like because we decided to forge this our ourselves the point in which we decided about five years ago we we're just like we're gonna do this deliberately and and so we're gonna take the learnings that we got from the last five years we like we've put together something that i that i that i love and i like we both find extremely rewarding and extremely valuable and extremely long lasting and like we we feel like this is you know this is it this is this is you know for good but um but it was interesting because like we both like when we started dating judd was like i'm never gonna commit to just one woman and i'm like and it was like our first date it was our first date and he was like yeah i don't do monogamy uh i'm never gonna live with a partner 
Uh, I never spent Valentine's Day with a partner. Uh, and he told me all these things. And I was like, cool, me too. Like, I was just talk, totally like, whatevs. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm whatever. And then literally six months later, Judd was like, hey, Valentine's Day is in three days. Would, would you like to do something? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Didn't you say you never spend Valentine's Day with a girl? And he was like, yeah, but I want to spend it with you. And it was, it was a really Aww. like, how, it was a really sweet moment. We had a lot of little sweet things, you know, that like, we both kind of were like, you know what, like, we don't have to be like, we, we've been super independent all this time. And we, we can both kind of like embrace, you know, these, these inter interdependencies and these, these like loving, like I, I choose you. And like, there's nothing wrong with I choose you. There's a problem with like, you do this thing like I like we had we were very like like the way that we do our, our thing even like the fact that we like we we won't legally get married and there's like reasons for that that you know they, they can they can combine to like you know just how we feel about the government and how we feel about like like uh legally how that that impacts like things like investment in business and things like there's all sorts of stupid like little little things but um but for us it's like that like we we say that like we choose our relationship every single day because that's what like because choosing it is what keeps us together mm. um and, and like it's not that we, i mean it would be it would be hard at this point to dissolve our lives connection but like we're not legally married so the like that particular roadblock that's not that's not gluing us together because we're like no we have to choose to like to, to tie these strings together and here we are we're very happy with the ties I guess that's that would be my my dedication to the you know libertarian principle of like doing it our fucking own way <laughs> and breaking the binaries whatever that means hmm. jacob joanna any thoughts on the uh kind of out of the box thinking within relationships yeah i mean i think it's you know, finding, I mean, it's funny because, like, on the surface, my relationship seems to fit into very traditional roles. You know, I work a nine to five, actually, it's more like a six to seven, but, uh, and my wife stays at home and homeschools the kids. But, you know, we, we kind of found each other because, like, that's kind of bo what we both wanted to do. Like, my wife didn't want to go to college. She was like, I want to have kids and raise a family. And, and, for from, and we weren't even libertarian yet, but uh, from the time we got together, we kind of both knew we wanted to homeschool kids and keep them out of the public schools because we just knew how bad they were for children. And so, you know, we, we have a, we have like a common cause, right? And I think it's kind of like our relationship rallies around that cause. But then if you look at like us interacting, my wife is, is way more the lead in like the way our family unit runs than I am. It's like, um, you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't really fit that traditional, or at least what people would say is traditional in terms of like, you know, my circles being more of a, you know, in the, in the Christian evangelical world, they're like, well, the man has to be the leader. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I think men and women, the, the, the father and the mother, husband and the wife should both lead. And that comes in different ways. Like, I think one of the best ways I can lead in my family is to show all of my children, especially my, my three sons, hey, sometimes just shut up and listen to the mom or shut up and listen to your wife. And don't be like you have to like take command of every situation because I know like there are some areas that I know I'm good in 
And there's er other areas where I stop and go, hey, you know, now I'll stop and ask for help. Now, you also have to be careful not to fall into the trap of just like feigning incompetence to get out of doing things. Because that is an easy trap to fall into doing. Uh, to just be like, oh, you do it better than me, so I'm not going to try. No, it's like the things that I know my wife is better at me on. You know, I've learned to try to be like, hey, you you do this. Like, my wife is way better at cleaning than I am. Um, and I, I had a very spoiled upbringing. I didn't have to do a lot of cleaning growing up. And so, like, I try to do things, and I feel like I'm trying really hard to do them, but I get so little done. And then, like, she'll clean for, like, 20 minutes, and the place is immaculate. So while I'm cleaning, when she's, like, taking care of the kids, I'll be like, hey, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, why is this going so slow? And then she'll chime in and explain what I'm doing wrong. Um, it's just – it's – I don't know. It's, like, I think the key – and this kind of goes to what um, uh, Avins was talking about – is just, like, don't be afraid of, like, doing something just because – you feel like it's going to give you some sort of label or like, you know, Oh, I'm giving up my individuality or I'm, I'm being part of some kind of group or something like that. But also like, uh, you know, don't, um, don't fall in. You, you have to balance that, right. You don't want to overcorrect by just like outright rebelling against like any kind of one of those things. <laughs> but you also don't want to like fall into the trap of like, like you only think along those uh, lines in terms of those binaries. So I think it's just about like, that's what true individualism is. I think it's just, it's like just being your authentic self and not acting like, like, and just doing what comes naturally rather than like putting it through a filter of either I have to do like, it would be, it would be wrong for me to put everything in the filter of my relationship has to fit into these Christian evangelical you know, traditional roles of what a husband is supposed to do and a wife is supposed to do. And I think it would be an equal error in the opposite way if we were in a relationship and we were like, we have to do everything the exact opposite as everyone else has ever done it in history. <laughs> it's like, you know, there are some things that people have done for a long time because it works. And then some of it is people did it because they were told to and it's not good. And so you just have to, I don't know, take each individual thing, you know, uh, as its own individual thing. Mm -hmm. the, the only thing I can think of with us is David's a homebody. He he likes to be at home. He likes to to be with the family more than other. He doesn't go out with the guys. Um, it's it's just his choice. He wants to be at home. Um, and I think like any of y'all that I've met, it's been out. And so many people don't even realize that David exists. <laughs> he also doesn't really like and posting pictures my son's the same way i've got good friends a good friend said to me just last year and i've known her for years she's like until recently i thought you were a single mother of one i'm like no i'm happily married mother of two but the boys in our family just don't want to be out there so david doesn't come to events doesn't come to things in fact i was at something the other day and usually almost everything now that i get instead of to you know, David and Joanna Jurgens, oftentimes things will come to Joanna and Lucky because they're so used to seeing Lucky. And one time I actually got him to go with me and um, she's 14 and we go into the front desk and I said, I'm Joanna. And they said, oh, looked at David, said, you must be Lucky's replacement. <laughs> so that it's, I wish that I could have him with me sometimes that there's things, I mean, I've got some libertarian friends, so I kind of go to events and things so there are definitely times that i, I kind of wish i had my husband on my arm but i also know he 
he would prefer to stay home. So I, I just kind of work around it. And equally, he doesn't mind if I go hang out with a guy friend that's my date for the night because we trust each other. And... Yeah. That's really important. I, I wanted to add on, like when uh, Jake was talking about, um, uh, like, but the vision of labor is like a huge thing of like, like when you mm. find your like, like, not like yeah. not the you know the roles that somebody gave you division of labor but like you know you as you said like your you know wife's better cleaning so judd and i both hate cleaning so we hired a housekeeper so but but like <laughs> but in general like in general like like things like like i do most of the cooking and i do i do most of the cooking because one i'm a better cook who I come up with like better, like more interesting and tasty things to eat. Like there's a bunch of reasons I tend to do the cooking, but like one Judd is a very, very in this, in that particular element. Like I become the dom, I'm the cooker. I am the, I am I'm the chef. I'm the dominant person in that. I'm going to choose what we eat. I'm going to choose how we eat it, when we eat it, whatever. And Judd is like, I defer to you. And he's also incredible support staff in that moment because like, He'll go, oh, you're cooking? And he will immediately be like, which which pans can I wash? Like, what do you need me to do? And he's immediately like on the like, you know, be, like every once in a while, I'll be like, can you stir this while I do this thing? He'll be like, I'm a little sous chef. Um, we have these cute <laughs> little things. But, but, but it's also sweet that like when I'm out of, like one, if I'm like gone for the night, it's so funny because he'll message me. He'll be like, I'm going to make a dish with like, like uh, mushrooms and kale because I know you don't like either of those things. And I'm like, yes, go for it, go for it. And you, you make yourself your mushroom and kale thing, you California boy. Um, but like, uh, but it's funny because then there will be instances when I'm like sick. Like if I, like if I've, you know, I've had a day, like I, I got sick and Judd will come down and he'll be like, hey, how you doing? Like, you hungry? And I'm like, I'm hungry, but I don't wanna make anything. Like, I just wanna lay down. And he'll be like, okay, I, I'm gonna make this. Is that okay? And I'll be like, yeah, make sure that you get the English muffin toasted just right. And like, and like, mm, <laughs> like, that's exactly what my wife does. I'll be like, yes, but remember, I like my my English muffins toasted on the seventh. And so he'll like, and it's so sweet because like then he'll go and he'll like make this meal for me, and you know maybe it's not exactly how I would have made it, but I'll be like, this was so wonderful. Like we have a very, like we have things in which we have a strong division of labor, but we also, he's like, I'm going to cook for you. Like, I'm going to cook for us. Like I would, I would never just like make that be your thing. And it's the same thing with like, you know, work that we do together. Like he, you know, he's the president of our company. He does most of these particular tasks. And then I was like, Hey, you seem to be kind of overloaded. You want me to handle that? And he's like, Oh my God, would you? Oh my God. Thank you. And like, I love that. Like we have our things that we're best competent at and that we're most efficient at, and we should totally respect the division of labor because it's much, much more efficient. But like then to be able to say like, this is, does not diminish me to like give in this way or get in that way. Like, that's wonderful. Like I, I'm all about that. Like, like, you know, be authentic and be, and be good, good giving and game in the words of Dan Savage, but like in life, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help you and support you and like, and, and do whatever I can to make your experience better and mine experience better as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We just naturally find, I don't think we've ever sat down and said, you know, you do the laundry, you clean the bathroom. Right. It's just, but we have gravitated toward one person does everything, but it's probably just, we're both about being efficient. This gets done yeah. and then we can both do the other thing if we need to. Like now I don't have, well, I used to work from home. And so dinner was pretty much always, even though I was home, he would still understand I'm still working till the same time as he is. And we would split 
know whoever's cooking that night. Now I don't have a job. And so it's more understood that I'm going to cook dinner most nights, but yeah. you know, it's just, it just, it naturally works. Yeah. And you have to just kind of, you know, cause my wife cooks most of the meals, but sometimes I'm coming home and I'll, and I like, you hear the kids mm. in the background, like That's acting like best. complete maniacs and yes. just like, you can hear her voice. She's just like, like, you need to make dinner? She's like, yes, please. Mm. <laughs> but then I have to sometimes bring the pan to her and be like, can you season this? Like, cause like she's very particular about how things get seasoned. Cause like I tend to either, I do too much or too little. I'm just don't, I don't have the, I know how to cook things. I don't know how to season things well. So she has to come in and like do that, that one step for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest I can usually manage to do. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, like it's okay to have that division of labor, but like, you just don't want to like the division of labor shouldn't be what your identity is. Like that yeah. should just be like, exactly. and, and that's where it can become um, a problem. It, this is also true. I think in like parenting and uh, like, my wife is way more the disciplinarian than I am. Like I am way more like, uh, I like playing with the kids when they're hurt. I kiss their boo-boos. I read them bedtime and my wife can do all that, but like it just doesn't come as naturally to her. And so like I've gravitated more towards, you know, kind of like the nurture role and she's gravitated more towards kind of like the, the disciplinarian role, but we can both, do the other thing if need be it's you know like it's it's not it's not rigid it's flexible yeah yeah i think the uh the division of labor in the kitchen thing <clears throat> is the most interesting uh first of all jacob because to your point uh seasoning is subjective it's not right or wrong it's subjective <laughs> But I've like defaulted. Don't to tell my wife that there is there it. is a there is a there is a right amount of garlic and salt to put on a dish and a wrong amount. There's a wrong amount of soy sauce. That's what Judd had to learn. Mm. There's a wrong amount of soy sauce to put on something. It's there you go. definitely not true. I can also speak from experience. Wait, uh, wait, wait, I I have to interject this. Judd once was adding soy sauce to some fried rice I was making, and he just added so much that like I was like, oh my god, you you ruined it, and he's like, oh that's fine and then like we both took bites of it and i was like oh god and and he was like like he did that thing where he like it's fine (laughs) it's totally fine and like and i was like no and so it's so funny because that happened probably six years ago and to the like to this day when i'm making so he'll come in and he'll be like oh can i stir this i'm like don't put soy sauce in it and it's like it is a it is a joke for like six years now and he knows like he'll be like can i put some soy sauce in it and i will watch him and i'll be like yes stop and i always tell him to stop before i know he's going to stop because i know that he will put too much in if i actually like if i mean stop when i say stop so like it is our little bit it's our little bit like we talk about the soy sauce all the time. it's like the running our, our running joke is the soy sauce and him putting too much of it in things sorry now now you continue the conversation as it was going <laughs> Uh, so I want to switch it up and talk about ways where our philosophy can kind of get in the way of being a good significant other. Uh, starting with actually the question I've been most excited to ask. Uh, how do you live and let live when you live together? Uh, you well, can't... I obviously make my wife sign a peace treaty with me. <laughs> and we, and we, div- we divvy up all of the items in our house. And it's all laid out in the contract, which item belongs to who, and <laughs> I just say big house, separate rooms. 
not at my covenant living room (laughs) (laughs) dude separate bedrooms really has like judd and i like we it's funny because a lot of things judd and i are completely on the same page on and then there are the things that we're not but we'll be like oh judd cares more about this thing than i do and so i will i will like defer to his preference on this thing and then vice versa um like judd is like he grew up like atheist Jew has never done like any Christmassy things. And I grew up pagan, but I always had a tree. And so like I moved in and I was like, gonna kind of need a little festive stuff happening in this house. And he was like, one room. <laughs> and like, and it's, it's this running joke because I mean, he wouldn't give a shit if I, if I put like, you know, two trees up or something, but I have like, but I found a tree that aesthetically worked for both of us. We, we have a black Christmas tree. Um, yeah. Because we're the, that, that couple, but mm-hmm. like, but it was funny because we were like, hey, like, Ovens wants, like, a festive thing happening in December. Judd doesn't really care. And so, like, and then I know that he does not want a bunch of junk around the house that has to be cleaned up later. And so, like, we we find our compromise there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things in our lives that, like, you know, he has a strong opinion about or I have a strong opinion about. And we, if if we both have strong opinions, we have a long conversation about like why we think something's better or why we think something needs to be done a particular way. And we and everything's always up to discussion and up for change. Um, but that's a big thing for us is like is finding the things that are actually worth like arguing about. Like, are there things that we can't get along unless we 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 solve this? And 90% of the time, they're just things where you're like, you know what, I want to have, I have birds in my bedroom. He has a cat in his bedroom. Like, cool, we can have birds and cats. Like, great, like, works out. But, but yeah, live and let live works a lot better when you have separate spaces to kind of be your aesthetic. Judd keeps his books in a closet. And I find this very weird. I keep my books on like one wall on a bookshelf and like and it's like it's it's you know it's decor and he's like oh i hide my books and i'm like i decor with my books but we have separate rooms tell so him to get out of the closet matter. it's 2022 <laughs> i think he's just embarrassed by how much Ayn Rand is in there but oh <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we won't touch that <laughs> my little objectivist boy my objectivist man uh no i i think I think one of the areas where I had the hardest time applying libertarianism in my relationship is is less when it comes to like her and me together, but more like how we parent. Um, and it's really tough. We have we have four kids under the age of seven, and so we both believe in like peaceful parenting, no spanking. How do and... you have time for podcasting? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his only. I escape. sleep like four hours a night. Anyway, sorry, and, yeah. I interrupted you. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we 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 both started out like no spanking, and we still don't spank. And we were also like, we don't want to apply consequences or punishments to our kids unless it's like a natural consequence. And so we tried that out. And I, you know, when the kids are really young, anything kind of works for a little bit. Um, then it got tougher when they got older because it's like, hey, you should brush your teeth before you go to bed but I'm not going to make you. And then they never brush their teeth and they get cavities. Then you have, you know, multiple trips to the dentist and they're in pain. And then you have, you know, and every kid is different. You know, I, I, I used to believe that it was all like nurture. And then I had four kids and it's like, these, <laughs> these are all like their own wildly different individual, like literally from the time they were born, like as babies, you can tell 
you can see the beginnings of their personality and stuff forming. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of like, and we still try to stay true to like the core of like peaceful parenting because we think it's the more libertarian way to parent. But it's tough with young kids because it's like they are, uh, you know, very rebellious. They don't want to do things that are kind of needed for their well-being. And so you as a parent have to try to find a way to like, all right, I don't want to make you do this. I don't want to be the authoritarian. I don't want to like condition you to like blindly follow authority, but also like, because it, 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 like it'll be really cringy when you're, if you catch yourself saying things like, well, you have to brush your teeth and I'm going to make you brush your teeth for your own good. That sounds a lot like the state telling you like, you have to get X, Y, or Z for your, own good or the good of society and so it's like how do you it's really tough trying mm. to on a daily basis reconcile like mm -hmm. dealing with you know kind of like you know wild my kids are they're good 80 percent of the time that 20 percent of the time though for each individual kid when you have four of them and they're all under seven gets to be uh, a real juggling act and you know some days we do it better than others um i, I think the solution is sort of like just understanding that you're going to mess up. Like you just do your best and, um, you know, don't kick yourself too hard for mistakes you make, reflect on what you do and try to adapt. And, um, and this, you know, it's, it, but it can be tough trying to find that balancing. Act. And, and then also trying to work together because it's like trying to be a unified front with the kids is something that my wife and I think is very important. But the problem is like, we have very different intuitions when it comes to parenting. Like again, my wife, my wife's the disciplinarian. So she'll be like, um, if, if like my oldest picks a fight and with a, a sibling and then like gets a warning and then does it again, then I'd be like, okay, because you're having a hard time not fighting right now. Um, you're not going to be able to play the Nintendo switch for the rest of the day. But then when he comes to me and is like, can I do some chores around the house to get a second chance of playing the switch? I'm like, well, that sounds completely reasonable. Fine. And then my wife is like, what the heck Jacob? And mm. then, so, <laughs> uh, cause like to me, it's like, but he's negotiating. That's a good libertarian principle. And then she's like, no, but he's <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's, it is, it is really, I think that is the area I have the toughest time trying to like apply a libertarian mindset too when it comes to relationships mm -hmm. i think one of the times that david has been the most mad at me is you know this side when it was time for the start to think about time for the kids to have phones and we both agreed it's not it's not time for them to have a phone yet and you know that lucky especially was always trying to get one and begging for one because she was the little politician and mm. one day she had been crazy busy all day it was at one of the conferences and then we were at a birthday party that night she was crazy working hard and it was like outside and i don't know why i agreed to it but i told her if she could do a four minute plank properly i would give her a phone i didn't think she could do it she was in her swimsuit surrounded by a bunch of other people mostly strangers on concrete low less nothing padding her at all and damn it, she did a four-minute plank, and I was watching her, making sure she was in perfect position the whole damn time, and there I was, stuck. Now I had promised her this phone, <laughs> and I'm texting David like, oh, shit, and he was mad at me. He didn't talk to me for a couple of days, <laughs> and it was my fault. I, 
I know it was my fault. I was in the wrong. I gave her a way to, to get this, but I was, I was so sure she couldn't do it. But I do, I do tend to be more like the, the let him negotiate thing and more of the, the libertarian parent. He is more of the disciplinarian. Like if it's time to go to bed, I might, I'll go to them and say, okay, good night. I'm going to bed. And do I have to go to bed? No, you can step if you want. I don't care what you do as long as you don't disturb me. And then right. like <laughs> 10 minutes later, David might come to bed and he's like, well, I told your daughter to go to bed. I'm like, I don't care what she does. Well, it's like, it's like, honey, it's like, you know, we just tell people don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. The kids aren't hurting anyone. Yeah. She's like, they're hurting me because I can't sleep. Tell them to go to bed. <laughs> and so it's. <laughs> it's yeah, if it's, I can't hear them, I don't care. <laughs> right. And I'm just, yeah, exactly. But I think I, my theory is that having that kind of yin yang thing going on helps the kids to be kind of, you yeah. know, well balanced in the end. Um, cause they, they get a little bit of both and, and, and can, you know, yeah. get those negotiation skills, but also learn to deal with harsh consequences that they can't get out of. So I'm, I'm much more likely to let them make their own mistakes and figure things out. Whereas he's, he's the helicopter parent. Like he's the one incessantly checking their grades on the portal. And like, he knows their grades before and before they even do like, <laughs> what, what happened here, what happened there. And I'm kind of like, you know, I, I would get involved if it's something big, but in general, I'm like, Oh, well, consequences. <laughs> See, I was always a theory. I always like the theory of letting kids, when they're fighting, solve their own problems, and that works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, the time it worked really well was when I think I think my oldest was like five, and my daughter was three. No, I think it was like six and four. But uh, my oldest kept on like uh, picking on my my uh, my daughter, who was like two years younger than him, and. My, my wife, Bria, kept trying to get them to stop, and I was just like, how about we try it this way? How about we just tell Daniel if he keeps on instigating things with her, she's going to get upset, and that could have consequences he doesn't like. Well, one day, the consequences reared their ugly head, and she got mad, and she went and started punching him and hitting him, and my, my son is all bark and no bite. Like he'll he'll be angry and he'll yell and he'll be upset, but like then it's funny because I I just like I, I walk into the room and I hear him crying and I see my, my again she's two years younger than him and yet she's on top of him he's on the floor and she's just hitting him over and over again <laughs> and he's laying on the ground crying and I'm just like laughing and also like should I stop her? Should I... Damn libertarian his lesson. <laughs> I had a real, I don't know, but like uh, after sorry. after that though he he you know he got a lot better about teasing her and and uh, and picking on her so Good I think you. it worked. I had a real exercise in the uh, live and let live together last night. My wife pestered me into agreeing to basically do half of Christmas last night. Uh, she just like could not wait. It wasn't her own presents. Uh, it was like mine and our son's. Uh, she like. <laughs> refused to wait the extra six days until christmas and so we opened like probably four to six presents each uh we like spaced it out through the christmas carol so like every time the clock struck we like paused the movie and opened some presents and then like went back to watching the movie and so that kind of like made it drag out a little bit longer and it was always really cute because my son who's uh three every time the clock struck he would, oh, presents <laughs> it was just like it was great uh but i was like this is like 
if you know if somebody on the internet was like we open presents whenever we want throughout the time like you know buy them throughout the entire month of december and just like give them to our kids when we buy them and whatever I'm like okay sure you know if jacob wants to do that with his kids i'm like all right sure like it's weird but like i don't give a crap like i am anarchy means no rules right i'm <laughs> fully bought into the live and let live concept and it's helped me a lot with like my anchor management issues that i had growing up uh, because I can just not care uh, with most people. You know, even if you're a really good friend of mine that I care about, it, there's very few things that you could do and we could disagree on where, like, I really, really care and it will really drive a wedge through our friendship. You know, if you want to parent your kids in a different way than I think is okay, you know, as long as you're not, like, a horrible, abusive parent, then you're probably, probably not somebody I really care about anyway, right? Um, so I've been really good at that concept lately and it's helped me overcome a lot, but then, you know, when it's your life and your house and like your kids and the whole thing is connected to you, it makes it a lot more difficult. Uh, and I've, uh, tried to not care in moments and then I'm like, no, no, I, I, I still care. Like I have to, I can't just passive aggressive my way through this and just pretend that it doesn't exist. You ever hear the expression "the worst person you know just made a really good point"? <laughs> I, I had, I had. Ouch. I'm not talking about you, David. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, I had this what moment. Kind of politician says something good. Yeah. <laughs> well, so see, I had this moment the other day when I heard a quote from Ben Shapiro, mm. and I was just like, <laughs> on one, I was like, "It's Ben Shapiro," but then I was like, "You know what? He's got a point here." He said, "Families are like socialism." He's like, "Cause like everything in the family is kind of shared and." And, you know, you don't go around caring about what other people do, but you care a whole lot about, like, what happens in your family. And I was like, you know, I, I mean, credit where credit's due. You I know, families. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, Ben Shapiro's stealing my ideas. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. um, he's also. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all right. Um, but, yeah, no, I. I <laughs> it's redeemable. <laughs> But no, I, I think, you know, that, that uh, yeah, libertarianism is a philosophy about how we interact with the world. And there are like, I think at the heart of libertarianism is like, we care about peace, we care about cooperation, we care about, you know, humanity and, and a love for everybody. And those things translate to, you know, being in a relationship with somebody else and having a family together, if you want to do that. Um, but the nitty-gritty but the parts about like live and let live i mean kind of but it's a bit more complicated when it comes to like you know like you you might not live and let live with your partner doing certain things the same way you would with like a stranger on the street or even a friend like there are things that like i mean if my friend decided to like go out partying until two o'clock in the morning and then come home it's like well i don't care i don't live with my friend mm -hmm. if my wife did that I'd be like, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, if it was done like, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like if it was done without communicating and stuff. So there's just, it's just, there's different rules for mm -hmm. certain relationships. And that can sometimes I think trigger our libertarian sensibilities, but, um, but yeah, that's it's, that I think. It's funny. Judd and I actually have that a lot with them. 
like i mean relationships should have deal breakers like i mean like and obviously as you get in a relationship you're like okay I like to make this work right so like let's let's hopefully none of the, either of us pick up a habit that's a deal breaker mm -hmm. or you know like and and you know and i've, I've teased jet all the time because i'm like look we're we're in this for life but like i'm like you know if you ever hit me i'd leave in a second and he was like well of course like and i'm like cool like i'm glad we're like we're on the same page there right and and but it's funny because we'll talk about that all that like we'll talk about little like things where like we'll watch someone like something else happen in someone else's relationship and i'll be like i'm not saying you can never do that i'm saying that i don't plan on being here if you ever do that hmm. and he's right. like yeah i like and so our live and let live is very much like i'm not trying to control you but my relate my life yeah. is like this and i will work with you to try to make our lives like this together but if if these things come up these are things that like i do not want to live the kind of life that involves this and that was that was something it like what's funny is when judd and i were when we first started dating we were in an open relationship and we could do whatever we wanted and there was another per like another woman that he was involved with and i was like i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm just saying that i don't really want her drama in my life so like you can keep doing whatever you're doing with her but like i'm probably going to make myself scarce and like he thought about that and he was like definitely would rather have you than this there's, like there's drama here there's problems here and he was like all right i just so you know i ended things with her and i was like awesome like i didn't tell you like you can't sleep with him yeah. no i just i just said like i'm not my life ain't about that drama and right and it's, we, it's setting boundaries rather of... than being controlling and i think yes. that it, and, yeah yeah that is that is the thing is like we set boundaries for ourselves we set like these are deal breakers for me like my life my life will not involve a partner that's screaming at me you're hitting me and so like don't do that we're good mm -hmm. and like you know i my, my life will not involve these these things and like cool and so it's it's interesting because we'll like see other people's relationships and be like oh they can do that but i will don't please let's not do that <laughs> Wait, I just want to quickly, I, we've been talking about so many great things and obviously I have nothing to contribute to the parenting thing because I don't have kids. Um, but uh, I do anticipate that it'll be an interesting thing because I was raised with peaceful parenting and homeschooling and those are two things I deeply value. And Judd is like, cool, uh, that matters to you. So we'll go with what you want to do. But it's funny because I'm like, I need to, I need you to be like converted, like on that particular topic. Like I'll need, I'll need to know that you like, you get the, you know, what I'm, what I'm going for here. The nice thing is if I explain like a concept to him and I go like, this is why I'm doing this this way. He typically will be like, okay, no, that makes sense. And I'm going to con conform by the way, peaceful parenting, brushing teeth. My brother used to challenge me to toothbrushing competitions. He'd be like, who can get their mouth fast, like clean faster in 60 seconds? And so he'd yep. like set a little timer. Like the stupidest things can cause, a I, I was not, I did not like brushing my teeth. Hmm. And I, I discovered that I'm very competitive. And so all you have to do is convince me that I'm like, I'm going to win if I brush my teeth <laughs> faster and, than my brother. That, we, we do that. And that works for like two of our kids. And the other two are mm. like, I don't care. So it's like, we have to, and that's a good, it is a good idea. And it's like, we have to, and the problem is we have, when you have so many kids, they all respond mm. to different things. And so yep. we almost have to, we almost have to split up. It's like division of labor again. It's like, all right, I'll get these two to bed and you get these two to bed because yeah. they have completely, because like they, they respond to different things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that, uh, crap, I had something else I was going to respond to the things you were saying and 
out, out of my brain. <laughs> Boundaries. I wanna I wanna mention something, Avans, uh, because you you said uh, like uh, talking about boundaries and deal breakers, and uh, my wife on our second date, I believe it would have been officially, uh, it was a very similar date to yours and Judd's first date of just like you know talking <laughs> up until the sun is starting to come up and like oh shit it's uh, we we didn't do the sleep thing and we both have to do the work thing today. Um, but she made me go down through uh, like we basically just went back and forth of like every possible deal breaker that each other has like anything we m might figure out later down the road as we get to know each other that would make us like call it quits and this have all been a waste of time so just like get it all out open and at the beginning and it was it was a rough very strange conversation uh but it's um it was it was great in the end because you know it basically the the reason behind it was a conversation about like uh whether or not this was just going to be a couple weeks while i was in town working and we were hanging out or if this was going to be something that that stretched on if she was going to come with me if we were going to do long distance something like that if we're actually going to make it work so if we we're going to put in that kind of effort, no need knowing about deal breakers ahead of time and still, you know, going into it. So, you know, I talked about my criminal history, my, uh, you know, I told her that I'm probably on a federal watch list just due to the, sh the show and the social media and, you know, working with Spike and all the other things that I do. I'm like, probably a really minor, like low, but there's there's definitely a strong chance that I'm on at least one um and she's like is it weird if that's kind of hot <laughs> <laughs> i was like all right we found a keeper um but you know and obviously we talked about uh, she has a three-year-old son and you know we talked about how that works and like we got all of that out within 72 hours of meeting each other so that uh What's funny is like we, we made the mistake of being very confident in that conversation and being like, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You know, everything was not a deal breaker until it actually had to come up in everyday life. And it's like that wasn't a deal breaker in theory. But now that I, it's a thing every day, now that like you're getting pulled over and it's just like a minor thing it should have been just like a warning ticket or a fix it ticket but instead it's like i'm in handcuffs because i have a suspended license that's like a whole other thing she's <laughs> that you have to deal with so uh but it was it was great in theory and in concept judd and i had a big one of uh of, of one of the reasons that judd and i realized that we were a good match is because we have similar levels of risk tolerance um and that was like a big thing for us because we're both entrepreneurs we're both you know like we're both very political so we both like we're there's public you know like us us making you know very very controversial statements online us doing you know these these sorts of things like we, we want a very comfortable life. We also like, you know, the, the fact that we've started like three companies and like, honestly, our, our weed company in 2017, like that was a high risk endeavor that did not pay off. And I was like, all right, well, like I'm, I'm down with taking a risk. And now like, now you just gotta like, I'm totally okay with the fact that we made this risk, but now we have to pivot into something successful. And we, we have, and it's great, but like, 
but it's funny because you know judd judd uh i think it was like two years ago in my valentine's day card it was very sweet he he said something about how like i he he said that like he can't imagine any woman tolerating the level of risk he's willing to take in like his professional life and his you know and just the things that he wants to do and and i was like well we both are like very ambitious and so we're both like willing we know that there's a certain amount of risk that has to come with that level of ambition but like i think it's so valuable for us to recognize that like though that that worked for us and like you might meet someone and have lots of compatibility but if you don't have a good way of a like of 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 feeling good about the risks that your partner's going to take you know regarding business or money or anything else like that like you either have to have a tolerance for their level of risk judd is definitely even more risk tolerant than i am but i'm 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 comfortable with it and that's one of the reasons we're not married so that like if his, if, his, if his plans if his you know well carefully crafted plans go to shit i'm pr legally protected but like but these are the kinds of things that like that i think a lot of couples i i wish that like you know like love is not all you need like love is great but also like having that trust, having that, like having similar levels of like risk tolerance, having similar levels of like whatever values you have, mm -hmm. you can have all sorts of values, but you have to make sure that they line up, that they that they work together and they're, they're complementary. They don't have to be the same, but they have to be complementary. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that was a big thing for us to realize was compatible, but that like I've, I've had exes who were like disrespectful to me because of my level of like, when we were together, I was like, I want to do these things that are risky because I think there's going to be a great payoff. And they were like, oh, why would you want to do that? And I was like, okay, this is not the right relationship for me because I need to be with somebody who's like, who challenges this particular thing that I want challenged too. But uh, yeah, I think that's a huge, a huge thing in relationships to find is that partner that, that, that has that, that same yeah. tolerance as you. I watched a great movie uh, that touched on uh, the like love isn't all you need in a really comical way that I just want to say real quick. It was like a Romeo and Juliet spinoff. Um, I think it's called like Rosalind or something like that. I I don't heard remember. about this. I haven't seen uh, it. But it's like Romeo's ex, and she's like trying to win him back throughout the whole thing, and then turns out she actually just like helps him uh, run away with Juliet and everything. And the last scene is Romeo and Juliet like. Uh, they ended up. They actually both faked their deaths and survived, but no one knew it. So that's why the story is the way that it is. That's uh, giving away the ending. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, but the last scene is them like sailing off into the sunset, and just like running out of things to talk about four minutes in, <laughs> and just like, <laughs> well, just seven hours left of this boat ride, and then the rest of our lives. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, that's why you don't marry somebody you only knew for 48 hours. Like, duh. Funny thing about that. <laughs> um, I so, love that, though. So one thing we, we talked about on the, the kind of positive side, but I feel like, at least in my experience, it can draw a negative. Is kind of, again, that breaking of binaries thing. Sometimes you just have to make a decision. And I don't, have you guys ever had trouble because of your traditional out-of-the-box thinking uh where you struggle to just like make the decision instead of like well maybe there's a third option i don't know what do you want to do 
I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> I don't know. What... <laughs> yeah. Or or so or or sometimes there's the angry version of that where we're but where it's like you're having a disagreement and then it's like fine, we'll do it your way. Like no 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 no, we're gonna do it your way. No, because neither one of us wants to force the other one mm-hmm. to to do it the way that we want to do it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, a little bit of just you know maybe like executive dysfunction sometimes. Yeah. I'm kind of going through something similar like that with our kids have been in the same school since kinder and Lucky is going into 10th grade and she really wants to leave. She hates her school. And Mm. so he's much more of your traditional just get it over with, just stay. And I'm like, well, let her think outside of the box. Maybe she's been looking at some non-traditional options that she wants to pursue. And he hasn't said no, but you can tell there's I'm much more open to something different other than staying at the the kind of sure thing school um so it's just something we're we're still trying to work through and figure out ourselves yeah i know a lot of times my wife will like present me uh especially because so we did a very small wedding that was just the two of us uh in the woods behind my parents house uh so for our one year anniversary we're planning on doing like an actual like vow renewal ceremony where friends and family can come and reception and the whole nine and so she keeps coming to me with uh you know just do you like this yes or no and it's like well sure but we can't have all of the things that you saw on pinterest and like you know it can't just be a, a yes or a no because i don't have any reasonable reason to say no to this but i'm also sure that there's something that there might be something better that I would want to choose if you were giving me like, well, these are the centerpiece things that I like choose between these five or give me a top two and I'll pick the final one, something like that I could work with. But just like, do you like this? Yeah. (laughs) I I don't, I don't know. I I just want to like either have the conversation and like pick a centerpiece and do the whole thing or just like, don't talk to me about it. And the, the like, well, we need to pick a this. It's like, cool. What do you care? Thanks for that addition to this moment. (laughs) But like, there's, we're not solving the problem in this moment. And we ruined what could have been just a nice moment of silence. (laughs) I, uh, I do think that, uh, that Judd and I will have a lot of just kind of, you know, like that kind of just efficiency of decision making of just kind of like, okay, like we can do this or this. Like, what do you think? Um, it's never anything like super important because if it's like super important, it's going to be something we really like, we, we really deep dive into. But I just, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll often find that like that, that open-ended question can just be like, nope, that's not, that's not useful to either of us. Cause Judd, Judd also has CEO brains. So sometimes he just needs to hear yeah Like he just needs to tell me yes or no about something. So I just make it really easy. I'll be like three options for dinner. What do you want? Like, and he's like, uh, that one. And, and sometimes I'll be like three options for dinner. This one involves us sitting down and eating together. This one you can take to your office because I know you're really busy. This one, let's watch the crown while we eat it. And like, and literally <laughs> like, like he'll be like, oh, well then in that case, I'd like this one. You know, like it's, it's, it's really funny because I've just gotten very used to like just giving, giving options in that way. But that's, you know, that's, it's, it's mostly just petty shit. I, we haven't, we've had we've had things in our lives that we've had to kind of you know go hey like 
this is making me really uncomfortable. Like this choice is going to make me really uncomfortable. So like, we really need to like hash this out because it's really like, it's, it's, you know, bordering on something that I just don't want in my life. So we really have to discuss it. And we've, I mean, honestly, when that happens, we typically, we, we, that isn't oftentimes like when, when that occasion happens, we will, we will often utilize something like mushrooms or something to, to, to dive into it so we can talk about our insecurities about something or about like what we're not okay with and, and, and really like, and really feel each other's perspectives and then go like, okay, can we come to a conclusion now that we've like really laid it out all out? So I think that's, that's really what we like, that'll sometimes be what we have to do. Um, but that's been very beneficial to us. So it works out. <laughs> drugs are, drugs are helpful. For sure. They can be. They can be. That's why I, that's why I have an entire company dedicated on getting that access out. Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually one of the things that came up during uh, the aforementioned deal breakers conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my wife, uh, Casey, when we met, was very, very against most drug usage. And, you know, she kind of like understood that a lot of the what she knew about cannabis was bullshit. Uh, but everyone that she knew that used cannabis fell into the stereotype anyway. Uh, even though it's not all encompassing, it still was most of her experience. And so even that one, she had kind of negative opinion of, and like anything like cocaine or Molly or anything down those lines was just like, fuck no. Um, and, so I told her in that conversation, I'm like, I am someone who likes to do hard drugs and psychedelics at least once a month. Like that is that is something that I do. Like I either take acid or mushrooms, usually mix it with like Molly or something like that. Like that's just something that I do. Uh, and she had to like, you know, uh, <laughs> come to terms with that. And she was actually like, that's something that I, I don't give her enough credit for. She like she flipped that switch very quickly to be like understanding about it and like at first it was like okay i just don't like really want to like see it or be around it too much uh you know the first time i tripped after we met she you know just like she was at her apartment i was at the airbnb i was staying in for work and it just like wasn't really a thing um but a few months later you know we tripped around each other for the first time and actually uh, on our wedding night and that was awesome. That was her idea that I do acid on our wedding night. And that was great. <laughs> it was a great idea. Um, fantastic experience. Um, if I ever have a wedding, I would do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was honestly really great because she like took a nap for like the middle section and the peak because uh, <laughs> uh, like she wasn't on drugs. Uh, so I stayed up the whole night. And she like kind of took a nap in the middle and then came uh, like woke back up a little bit before sunrise. So we went and watched the sunrise. Um, but she's been like really awesome and understanding about that. But it's and now she's kind of like come around to like some edibles sometimes because like the mostly for the pain, uh, but also the stress relief uh, and her on edibles plus me on uh, like psychedelics we haven't tried yet but i think is what we're doing for new year's um and so like we'll see how that vibes out like because she she basically trips on edibles she's got like a terribly low tolerance so it's great super cheap 
but on the the like topic of drugs, easy switch over. Um, I know that for you don't have to be uh, of like a libertine mindset to be a libertarian, and I know that not everybody uh, in this uh, show is of that mindset. But even even those of us that are more like right leaning conservative libertarians still tend to be, you know at least pro LGBT in the, the legal sense and, you know, a little bit more sex positive and a little bit more understanding in those ways. Uh, how do you, how have you guys managed mixing that with a monogamous relationship uh, where, you know, you can still talk about sex and have friends and be that kind of like open personality, but still be, you know, committed and not crossing any lines. I'm not sure I understand that question. I know. I, was gonna say, I don't. I don't know if I understand it either. I, I, I'm not attracted to any other men or any other women that my husband or or any non-binaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I've uh, honestly that that one might be a little bit more uh, of a I don't want to say generational problem, but something that like people younger than myself have been a lot more. You know, there's just so many rules going into a relationship about like how, who you can talk to and like how close you can be and like what you can do. And like my wife is fairly uh-huh. like open and understanding, but like I've led a very like libertine-esque lifestyle for the last few years and especially having a bunch of libertarian friends. You know, I've I am 100% straight and I have like kissed male friends on the mouth uh, on dares and stuff straight? like, you know, within the last year. Like, that's just like, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm used to. And then now, you know, I know that that kind of stuff isn't appropriate as a married man. Like, but what's the ultimate test of your straightness if you can kiss a man and not get an erection? I mean, that's how you tell. I mean, I I promise (laughs) I did not. It was it was was Sasha Cohen. So there was no possibility there. (laughs) Well, David, David, to your point, like, I think. I mean, I think that every relationship is going to have their definitions of what what is appropriate, what the partners find That's comfortable. True. And so the thing is, like, you know, I know couples that, you know, are super like they're super monogamous. They're very, you know, they are very, you know, monogamous and straight and whatever else. And they and, and you know, and so they would be like, I think part of it is a level of trust. You know, like, are you comfortable with your partner having, you know, you know, opposite gender friends? And and I mean, I personally would like really chafe it like if my partner was like i don't trust you with your friends like fuck that like i like you know i like we haven't established trust but but you know people's comfort level can can differ in terms of like you know do you do you spend time alone with friends of an opposite gender or friends that you might be potentially attracted to or do you you know or do you um you know, are there are there situations in which you might be cuddly or do drugs with them or, you know, or, or do something that might be considered more intimate without like having sex. And one of the things is that so for years, like Judd, Judd and I are both, you know, we both take photos in the liberty movement. We're both like for years we were traveling together and then our company started up and I can do a lot of my work remotely and Judd can't. And so I was going to Anarchopolco, I was going to, you know, Liberty Forum, I was going to all these different conferences and Freedom Fest and stuff, and I go by myself. And Judd totally trusts me, that's totally cool. Uh, but I have a very good friend who's like, my platon- I call him my platonic boyfriend, and he's my friend Yakov, and uh, Yakov Markel. And he and I go all the time to things together, like we'll share a hotel room. I mean, we have separate beds, but we share a hotel room, we, we uh, like, 
he'll he'll like he's buying me drinks all night we we have a very like close relationship that um that like a couple of people have been like oh are you dating him i'm like no 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 like <laughs> but but i can understand how like somebody who didn't who didn't see me and judd would go like oh well, it looks like you have like a conference boyfriend and Judd and I are very comfortable with that, but I can understand why people people have to find their lines in their relationships and be able to communicate and say like, this is okay, this isn't okay. You know, if I go to Burning Man and I'm like at my at my camp and like and I take some Molly, the chances that I'm gonna end up in a big cuddle puddle with a bunch of friends that include men where we might snuggle and like we won't make out, but like there might be like kind of like 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 hmm. we had we had to establish and i had to establish like what his comfort level was with, with that and i was like i'm not gonna fuck somebody else i'm not going to like, i'm not even gonna fucking tongue kiss somebody but i might snuggle up with somebody and then go like oh you know what like this is my this is my boundary and other people can have different boundaries it's just about making sure that in your relationship you communicate that boundary and that like, and that your partner is comfortable that you will respect that boundary of theirs, even though it's you doing the thing. Like if you're doing an action, my partner's boundary is this. So I'm not going to do this thing that would make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm feeling like yeah. maybe that's where you were trying to go with that. But mm -hmm. I think it's less about whether your marriage, like whether marriage requires that you be monogamous and rather what's your relationship, what's your terms. And if your terms are, you know, you don't have intimate situations of any kind with a partner, with a person that you might be romantically attracted to, then that's your line. If your line is don't fuck somebody else, then that's your line. If, you're, if your line is do not create an emotional affair with somebody else, then that's, that's your line. But people, what I do like dislike in mainstream monogamous conversations or mainstream just like relationship, oh, we got married, is people assuming what those boundaries are because mm. people do they'll be like well the boundary is this and like well did you is that like you're just default because like if that is the default you should probably have a conversation to make sure your yeah. partner agrees with that default. Yeah. yeah like i used to live and work in las vegas and the number of guys who would like you know be like well it's in vegas so it doesn't matter if i make out with a stripper <laughs> like you know it's like well wait did your wife agree to that because hmm. if your wife agreed to that then great but if your wife didn't agree to that, then I'm pretty sure, like, because I used to do hostess things. So I used to, like, like host people who were, like, going to strip clubs or bachelor party, whatever. And, like, the guys would be like, well, this is the rule of my house. I'd be like, is it really? Because, like, I like, I respect the hell out of you if you and your wife have that, that rule. But And I encountered one dude, like, who went to a strip club. And, I like, I was, I was hosting his party. And his wife was there. And, like, and his wife was like, well, he can do this, but not this. And I was like you're a very progressive lady okay then like <laughs> like all right like good for you i'm glad you have a happy marriage of 10 years you have twins but great and and if your rule is that like he can pray a prostitute to blow him then cool that's your that's your line like <laughs> good for you i don't think i'd share that law i don't think that would be my line but like as long as you guys communicate the lines i don't have i don't have a problem with anyone having a consensual agreement about what their boundaries are, whether yeah. those boundaries mm -hmm. are strict or those boundaries are loose. Yeah. That's for me. It's like, absolutely. You. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's, no, that's stuff my wife and I went through, you know, we, we, I'm more, you know, I, I'm, I'm more open to the idea of having opposite sex friends than my wife is. 
Um, and you know, when we were really young, she used to have a lot of uh, platonic male friends. And um, I didn't really have a lot of platonic female friends, but I wasn't really against the idea. And then when I started getting into the libertarian circles, there was this one girl in a in our local libertarian area who was like this uh staunch atheist objectivist and i'm of course like the you know staunch christian anarchist and so we would kind of like debate back and forth and that's all we would do but my wife would was not happy with how much i was private messaging with just in her mind she's like you're messaging this one girl a lot and you know, not messaging me as much, you know, as you, as you're messaging her. And I was like, okay, well, I can cut this back. She's like, well, why do you have to private message her at all? And I'm like, well, I'm not really, like, we're not like sharing each other, you know, we're, we're just debating. I was like, I'm, I'm trying to convince her that atheism is stupid. And she's trying to convince me that Christianity is stupid. And I was like, I'm not even going to touch the objectivism because that's a whole different thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, but the, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, when I, now, when I, when that started, I didn't handle it well because instead of hearing that my wife was sharing with me that she was uncomfortable and respecting that discomfort and putting her feelings above mine, you know, because like I don't need to debate this person. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't need to be messaging them as much. Um, I just went to like, oh, you're trying to control me. Like you're trying to tell me I can't ever have friends or any associations with someone of 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 the opposite sex, and you don't trust me. But I came to realize, like, no, it wasn't a matter of trust. It was just a matter of, like, it just, it, it violated her personal boundaries. Now, maybe we hadn't had that conversation before, so I didn't know about it. As mm -hmm. I came to understand it, um, you know, I died to myself and I came to respect it, stopped messaging that. But I said, well, I said, is it okay if I debate her if it's, like, on a Facebook post or uh, it's in, like, a group chat? But I'll stop private messaging her because that's it's just your personal boundary. You don't like that and it's not a matter of trust it's just a matter of it, it's, it's just something doesn't work for you and so um yeah you know sometimes I, again it's that it's that intrinsic you know we all have that libertarian streak of like we don't want to be controlled and it, it's this in relationships you have to learn that boundaries aren't the same as being controlled you have to respect each other's boundaries mm -hmm. i think one thing that helped me there is when i first met david i had a male best friend and like to the point that we, it was not a big deal to sleep over each other's house. Again, not even in the same room, like on a couch or something, but it was, he was my best friend. And that was, that was just how it was when I met David and it was non-negotiable. Like Mark's my friend, we're gonna go on vacation. We're gonna do this, go do that. And so that we just kind of started out on that foot that I'm going to have opposite gender friends and and it, it, it does come down to a trust thing. Mm -hmm. it, it was funny when uh, when Judd and I started dating, like, obviously, like, we were, we were open, we had, um, and Judd, like, takes, like, incredible photographs in the Liberty Movement and in, you know, we live in Los Angeles. He takes incredible photos in the Hollywood crowd and stuff. And that makes him extremely popular with other women. And it was really funny because, like, I'm not a jealous, I'm not the jealous type. I'm not the like, but and and obviously, I didn't even have a claim when I first started dating him. But it was funny because, like, there was a little bit of like, we would go somewhere and he'd be taking photos, and then like some girl would be like, oh my god, take photos of me, and he would be like, hey, yeah, of course I'm gonna take photos of you, and like, and I would be like, 
<laughs> and like and and it was funny because like I you know I would just kind of be like yeah I'm your date and now this woman is like all like oh my god that's such a cute photo get my number so I can can you send it to me and like and there would just be so much of that and it drove me insane like because I was just like all right I like I've just started dating this guy he's clearly very popular I I'm fine with that I'm clear I'm very popular as well but like but it was it was a little bit of like a like a thing and it was funny because when we started we started dating we started getting more serious I you know he was like look like I'm choosing to be with you I really enjoy like photographing like going to an event photographing and like I like I, I like getting a good picture of of women and when women flirt with me they pose better for photographs so I'm just saying I'd like I like this is this is something that like I'd like to keep uh, happening and I was like okay like and, and we had a conversation where I was like all right well you're choosing to be with me like you're like this kind of this flirtatious energy during you know you taking photographs in an event it makes you feel good about yourself and you're not taking these girls home like this is not a problem but like this is this is just a thing you get to do the same way that like i go up with guy friends and they buy me drinks and i go you're so sweet oh my god thank you like i that doesn't need to mean shit either so like like when we kind of establish that like now mm -hmm. we go to events and i'll be like oh she's cute go take some pictures and like and he'll be like hmm. okay all right and like and it, it, like nothing's gonna happen there but like we just realized that like we actually we enjoy stroking each other's egos a little bit and so and that's again something that like some people could be totally uncomfortable with in our relationship i was like you know what my man likes to feel desired and i like to know that he's desired and i like to know that he comes back to me so that's like that was a comfort level for us and I like, and I totally understand people who don't have that, but like, but you know, it's like, again, it's, it's about finding your thing, you know, but, but yeah, for me, I was like, I'm not giving up my male friends and I don't want you to give up the thing that like, you like taking photos and having cute girls go like, oh my God, my photo looks so nice. Thank you. So mm -hmm. great. Have that. That's, yeah. that's totally not, not, not a threat to me. <laughs> I think with us, it's like David is always invited, right? There's never a time that I'll say, I'm going to go to, you know, whatever concert with ex guy friend and you can't come. I always, even though David doesn't like to go out and he would hate it if I made him come, but it's kind of like, you can come if you want. I would love for you to come. And he's like, no, go, go, please go with the other guy. So I don't have to. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's kind of like that. And the conferences, every event I go to, I always, he is welcome to come with me. And he knows that, but you know, it's a, it was a major point of contention early on uh, in my relationship that I wasn't as jealous as she wanted me to be um, because she felt like I didn't care about her because I was kind of, you know, trying to carry that like, you know, live and let live mindset into the relationship because in all reality, it was the only way that I was getting a whole lot of progress on my anger management issues. And so, you know, that's just how I how I operated in relationships. And my last relationship was fairly short, so it didn't build up any like really major contentious points. And uh, it was an open relationship. So there was uh, even though uh, I was the only one that actually acted on it and it was only like very briefly, like two times. But uh there was the level of trust because in an open relationship you the rule is communication so like if 
if I wanted to sleep with somebody that I was talking to, I would tell my girlfriend. Uh, and she would understand that, you know, this is somebody that I am attracted to. So if I hadn't told her that, she didn't have to worry and vice versa. And that for me, like held a lot of comfort uh, that like, you know, there was like a couple guys that like she actually did like, but nobody else did I have to worry about or think anything about. And in, in a monogamous relationship, you know, if you did have feelings for somebody else, you'd be lying to me about it and hiding it. And that was kind of something that I had to get used to again was like the, the behind people's backs and the lack of trust there because I was used to just being able to be like, oh, yeah, she's kind of hot. And, like, it wasn't really a problem, <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, so my wife would be, you know, you know, do you think this way about this person? It's like, oh, no, she's ugly, like, <laughs> but, but she doesn't believe me. Um, <laughs> and so, but on the, the other direction, you know, I'm the kind of person who, you know, if I, if I trust you that you don't like this person, I really don't care if you, you know, like you guys are saying, like go to a convention with somebody or go to a concert with somebody like fucking link arms and skip down the sidewalk, go into the store. I don't care. Like that's, uh, you know, I mean, Joanna, the way that you and I were kind of hanging out at South by, I feel like there are plenty of people who would feel like that crossed so many lines that like you're a married woman. You should not have been like anywhere as near as like friendly with me as you were, but like, it was okay. Uh, but like, uh, my, my wife expected me to be like, no, like get away from him. You're mine. And and, like, she felt like I didn't care. And so that was something that, you know, I'm still working on explaining to her and like not making that a point. Uh, for her insecurity of is just like I care about you and I love you and you're mine and that's why I don't mind if you you know have fun with somebody else I want you to have the most fun possible not like regardless of whether or not I'm around for it yeah yep hey speaking of boundaries and stuff in relationships um, if you guys want to keep going that's all cool but I always tell my wife you know, a cutoff, and I told her that my cutoff was going to be 10, because she wants to spend time with me and stuff tonight. So, uh, it was really cool being on, though, and talking with you all, and uh, going into all these different things. So, thanks for having me, and uh, but yeah, I do gotta get going, so um, Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah. Tell people where to find you real quick before you hop off. If you, if uh, so, Twitter at Biblical Anarchy, and you can go to biblicalanarchypodcast.com or daniel318.com, and you can find all my stuff there. And yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming. Cool. Bye. Yep. Bye. See you guys. My wife is probably going to get similarly annoyed uh, here pretty soon. So I'll have uh, you guys do the same thing. Joanna, how can people find uh, you and what you're working on and Liberty Live and all the other things? Sure. So Liberty Live, we will be launching next year. Look for all the cool socials and everything. But we're basically working on taking the Liberty message mainstream to events like South by Southwest. Like you mentioned, you and I were there last year, kind of laying the groundwork, checking it out. Um, I'm really excited about that. So I will be screaming at everyone to, to to put that out next year. Exactly. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joanna in Texas on Twitter and Instagram is probably the best way. Um, Joanna in Texas spelled out. And love to talk to people. All right. 
And uh, ovens, how how can people learn how to trip better and uh, and grow shrooms? Uh. Uh, well, the easiest way to find any of my stuff uh, is my website is literally ovens.me. That's A-V-E-N-S dot me. And that links to all my things. Uh, I have a substack. It's ovens.substack.com. I'm on Facebook as Ovens O'Brien. Uh, and then I even link in, in my in my substack, I link to my company, but we are this, the, the, the little shroom mushroom, uh, but we are advanced mycology and we uh, and we have a grow your own mushroom kit. So you can uh, you can purchase it for sixty dollars. You add um, whatever kind of mushroom culture or spores you want to uh, to put inside and you grow your very own mushrooms in six to eight weeks. And yes, it's optimized for psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, but if, uh, if anyone has any questions, they can find me on Twitter as Ovens O'Brien, all one word. Um, like, uh, if you have specific tripping questions, you can find me on Instagram as either Ovens O'Brien or your trip sister. Um, and basically just like ovens.me will find, will link you to all the things. So that's the easiest thing to remember. Right. I'm really excited. Uh, my business partner started growing, uh, one of your mushroom kits a few months ago and it will be ready for harvest uh, like the day after my birthday. So like part of it's going to be a birthday <laughs> present to me. And I'm like, yes, mushroom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a week ago, and he sent me a picture. And I was like, gosh, that's a lot more than I was expecting you to be able to get out of that. So, yeah, everybody go check out. This Ovens. is how we do it. <laughs> Check out Liberty Live when it launches and check out uh, Biblical Anarchy and all of the other podcasts that Jacob is a part of. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. David, thank you for having us. So much fun. Thanks, David. All right, guys. We will be back here uh, on the 26th talking what's next with uh, Justin O'Donnell, Reed Coverdale, and Stacia Wilson. Uh, check us back out for that. Until then, keep up the fight.